0: Guys, this, this is, is the podcast old. material actually. We're wasting uh, some good podcast material.
1: Oh, but it's nothing nothing, nothing, ju- nothing new. Just
0: just to give some context, you know, Augustus is complaining about the co- uh, coaching experiences he had in his career that prevented him yeah. from making uh, at least few potential winners.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that, but
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: now you're putting words in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's my wor- my job, you know. I I mean we're just <laughs> discussing the good old take the jump shot instead of oh. driving to the basket, uh, at the very last seconds. How you t- should approach, I mean, how you should pro- I mean pro- it, a- and it's pretty obvious and, and we have so many examples in history where usually you settle for a jump shot, uh, whether it's a free or, or, or a mid range shot, it depends on the score, but, um, driving to the paint makes very little sense because there's not much, um, expectations to get a foul call. I mean, even if there's a contact, we all know that. And that's why probably most of the greatest, clutchest players of all time, if you see their highlights, usually it's a jump shot. It's a step back or a sidestep, ISO play or something like that. Mm-hmm. Rarely you see a layup, a game-winning layup.
2: And it's more beautiful to, to knock down a fadeaway jumper. No, but I'm, I'm kidding, but honestly, like, the, the the coaches would used to tell you, you know, drive, drive. And even Sasha Bradovich, you know, told uh, Mike James, we don't need a free. We don't, <laughs> we don't we don't we don't we don't need a free point. Hey, listen, hey, we don't need three points. <laughs> Twelve <laughs> seconds later. <laughs> Whoa, who who
1: doesn't need three points? Why 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 would you need three extra uh, points, man? It helps you to to close the game. Uh, I
2: mean that that's what probably he was telling, we don't need a free pointer, drive, you get maybe a foul call, you make two free throws, yeah. And that's and the
1: thing, you don't get the foul call. Yeah. And then you get frustrated. And,
2: and Donato yeah. said, you know, Nigel Williams-Goss drove yeah. to the rim. Did He got a foul call you last don't time? He even didn't get a, a nope. foul
1: call, so. He didn't yeah. get it. Uh, I mean, and, and I can take example even from Kona's game. Uh, Lovou Baro has Roland Schmitz on, on the switch. If he's gonna be aggressive and try to get to the rim, in an away game, even if there's contact, he probably wouldn't get a foul call. That's why he just creates some space off the dribble and, and settles mm-hmm. for a jump shot, a yeah. mid-range shot, which goes in and, and they win the game. So uh, it's a debate what's better. And in my opinion, if the referees uh, have this like mindset that in the very last minute, in the crucial place, the bar for, for a foul call is so high it doesn't make much sense to drive in in Mike's situation, for example. If if you're gonna drive, there's gonna be some help defense. There's definitely gonna be a lot of contact, exactly. And you will someone else is going to take away. The shot probably yeah, and then no. you will be forced to pass the ball to somebody else. And now we have Tonut one on one, and yeah. the sidestep is your signature move. Uh, he buried a lot of daggers. Of that move, I mean,
2: uh, hey, you know, you know, sidestep to the right is coming. Yeah, when Mike James has the ball uh, at the end of the shot clock, or you know, regulation. for sure.
1: I remember game in Moscow. uh Nigel Hayes Davis was guarding him. I mean, yep. he's a big dude, and he did what he can. But that sidestep is is just a killer move, and he and he makes the shot, and and wins win the game. And that was a game versus Alguer. So. But yeah, I, I, to and be honest, I was surprised. Said good yeah, it was after, good yeah. defense. I was
0: surprised Milan and Messina didn't send uh, didn't send uh, double on Mike James because in two days we saw such a different approach by Partizan trying to stop the last possession of Bosconia. Mm. He immediately sent a double uh, yeah. team to on Marcus Howard, and he had had hadn't any sh- chance to shoot the ball to release the ball, so he just kicked the pass out. In Mike James and Monaco situation, especially when mm. you have the worst three point shooting team in the year league. They're still the uh, worst team by three-point shooting mm. uh, to this day. And you have Alpha Diallo in the corner. Just send Nicola Melli in this case, for instance. And you're, you are you know, taking Alpha Diallo's yeah. corner free instead of Mike's signature uh, move. And then, you know, maybe that's why Sasha was, uh, you know, trying to endorse Mike or anybody else to drive. Maybe he was afraid yeah. of, uh, you know, long rebound and then transition uh, by Milan. But, you know, Mike, Mike was smart. You're making a three-pointer and you... And this You're stupid free throw game. game as well. Yeah, in the last uh, seconds. And, and
1: and if we look at what happened before this shot, James actually made some other tough baskets, mm. which which means he's feeling good. He's feeling good taking the shot. He's feeling comfortable. And what you said, it has been done uh, three or four weeks ago. Monaco's Wednesday game, they were stunting Mike James and and forcing him to pass the ball. And Alpha Diallo made a shot uh, when it mattered in the last minute. So yes, I agree that. Playing the numbers game, you can live with other shooting, uh, not Mike, but uh, he trusts his teammates. So if you put him in a position where he has to pass the ball to Alpha Diallo, he will do it. And Diallo is capable of making that shot. It, it, it's not like you're living with the risk of of, of leaving a yeah, non-shooting like non- uh, non- shooting shooting player that, player that, ball that ball. completely doesn't shoot. And even in that game in Milan, we saw situations where they were kind of uh, leaving Jaron Blossom game open and he punished them. So I think these Monaco players, some of them are better at shooting than it seems from the last season and, and their numbers, like Diallo, Blossom game, they're not really bad spot-up shooters.
0: Uh, they're not, but I, I don't think that Diallo still already, you know, o- overcome this uh, lack of confidence in his three-point shot. Okay. Even this year, he's 23% three-point shooting. We remember Maccabi serious. He was, yeah. I think... Eight percent three-point shooter. So I mean, in any case, you're taking this shot instead of uh, Mike's signature uh,
2: move. And uh, you know, you you mentioned that Mike took this sidestep move over Nigel Hayes Davis. And you know, we were saying, you know, it, it this the situation, this decision whether to take a uh, drive or mm. whether to take a, a long step shot really mm. depends on the on every situation. And I agree. And if Mike takes that sidestep shot over Nigel Hayes Davis and his height and wingspan, you would probably expect. This shot to be even easier against Stefano Tonot. Mm. He's not like he's not bad defender, but he is smaller than Hayes Davis. His wingspan is is, is probably uh, shorter, so that's an that's an even easier shot than he took. You know, has taken mm. has taken in the past. So, I mean, it was it was obvious that he's going to take that shot, knowing that what Mil- Milano is going to do on defense if he drives, and plus the contact that is allowed is just insane. I mean, you can get away with all kinds of stuff. Late, late in the shot clock. And Basconia doubling Marcus Howard. I mean it's uh, doubling. Sorry, yeah. partisan Basconia doubling Marcus Howard. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> maybe on, they should he's on TV. So, so sometimes maybe they should. <laughs> partisan doubling Marcus Howard. I mean, you have on the court with him. I'm looking at this situation. He has Chima Monekia, Tada Sidekerskis, Cody Miller, McIntyre. So three guys that you can you live with th- those three guys taking a free-pointer, and the only guy who is you know a shooter there on the court is Vanya morinkovic so why not double when you have three guys that you are okay and they doubled him the
0: immediately shot? i mean e- yeah. even to this extent that i was like i mean they were too aggressive maybe too fast with to double him you know uh, without uh, waiting for at least a couple of more seconds mm. so it was such a different picture that we saw in two days uh, trying to uh, stop to, uh, to play defensive stops in the last possessions. So this is their bonus podcast, guys. Augustus Šuliauskas, Donatas Rubonas. It feels like it's been a while since we've been here in studio in, in Vilnius after uh, our Belgrade trip. Uh, and it's good that we mentioned and we started this off from Mike James. Um, Mike is great early into this season. Uh, he yes, helped sir. Monaco to bounce back after a slow start with two losses uh, in a row. And we had this topic prepared uh, about Mike James Mm -hmm. um, regarding our early MVP candidates. And it feels like, you know, there's no Sasha of greatness anymore. When you look at some potential MVP candidates, it feels like it might be it. It might be the year when Mike James finally gets the MVP trophy. What do you think about that? And what, what are your early MVP candidates so far?
2: It might be finally the year when an American wins it because, as we have mentioned a couple of times in this podcast, it it has been like uh, what 19 or 20 years since Anthony Parker last won it. in yeah. Okay. So it might have been 2004, 2005. The first two years of the
0: MVP, that the MVP award was presented, it was to Anthony Parker, I think.
2: So, yeah. And after all all those other MVPs are European guys or, yeah, maybe South American ones? No, um, no, I'm not
1: really sure. Probably or not. Probably Europeans,
2: Nacioni, maybe. Whatever. He
1: was Final Four MVP, but Mm. wasn't. It doesn't really matter. the regular season,
2: but I was I was going through through the stats. I think you know early MVP race. You always have a lot of candidates, but Mm -hmm. I think in my eyes we should be talking about four guys only um, because you know as we all know MVP voting. We're looking at long term
0: MVP race, right? Not like MVP ladder. We don't oh, have an
2: MVP ladder
1: uh, in Europe. Like, i I, in Europe. I
2: thought we were looking, you know, at the yeah. MVP ladder at the moment, so ah, okay. you know, and I would have given to to Mike James, but I think at at this moment, we have to uh, appreciate what Tornika Schengeli has done yeah. for Virtus. His stats are insane. Virtus are five and one. Their only loss is against Žalgiris in the first game of the season. He has a better record than Monaco. They have a better record than Monaco do. They have beaten Monaco in Monaco by 24. They have won against Alba, Zvezda, Svel, well, and Efes. Uh, Shengeli is shooting 70, 71 percent from the field. He is 45 percent from free, while shooting 3.3 po- uh, times per game. 20 uh, percent better free throw shooting than Mike. Uh, you know, has a little bit more rebounds. 4.3 assists for power forward. That's incredible number. Uh, Mike has him beat here because he has six. And he and Ternika Shingelia has a little more turnovers. But I just love what he has done for Virtus. He has been the main catalyst there, taking the most, um, let's say, uh, attention. He has been creating those advantages. He has been creating advantages for himself, for others. Uh, Luca Banki Basically, in the offense, put him and Marco Bellinelli working together and they react of those mismatches. You know, Bellinelli creates a lot of advantages with his movement, and then Shengelia takes advantage against smaller guys or in transition. And I'm really it's really fun to me for me uh to watch Virtus in this first month. And I think and I think in the early MVP race, you know, right now at yep. the moment he deserves the number one spot. But probably I would be crazy if I would say that. Mike is not the favorite to win it this year. What do you I, guys think?
1: I, I mean, sounds fair. Who and 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 to... Shengelia is the MVP of the month anyway. And I have to say that in my eyes Virtus Bologna should be another unbeaten team next to Real Madrid. They were very unlucky in the opening game and they won all 5 games in a row after mm-hmm. that. So They uh, were up by 15 against twice. Targets, I think, twice. They twice. had a 15-point lead twice. And that was it's, the first comeback
0: yeah. after being
1: down by 15 twice the history of the EuroLeague? I think so. Could, like it, could it be the case? Two times, Salgates yeah. came back from down 15 and they made some tough, tough <laughs> shots in the fourth quarter. So basically, Virtus, even in that game, they were the better team. It's just that they they lost in the end. Uh, everything you said about Senghelje is right. Um, I'm going to be boring once again and, and, and repeat myself that the EuroLeague has to deal with this nonsense uh, Voting for the MVP after the quarterfinal series and and taking quarterfinals into consideration, yeah. so it's me- it messes things up. It has to be a regular season award, yeah. and I'm gonna keep saying that until they address the issue. Okay, uh, and definitely now we have these two front runners for the MVP. It's Mike. It's it's um, it's Toko. but don't sleep on on the Argentinian guys in Madrid. Don't sleep on Barca. So. Don't sleep on on Gabi Deck. The, their their team is winning. Uh, they're they're dominating games. They're both um, performing at a very high level in, in their respectable positions. We can see that if Yabusele gets injured, it's no problem. They put Deck as a four, and and he continues doing his work. And Faku just makes everybody else better. The thing with Madrid is probably sometimes you will not have a. A big stat line, like for example, Shingelia has uh, playing for Virtus, or even Mike James has playing for Monaco, because uh, in Real Madrid, we know the rotation, the way they spread the minutes, and even the best players sometimes um, sacrifice their own uh, stats, let's say.
2: That's my question for you guys. Like how many games, because right now I said, we should probably be talking about four guys. And I heard you already mentioned Barcelona, because I have Shingelia one, Mike James two, Lapro three, and Facundo Campaso, number yeah. four. And it's like all the other guys later because, you know, Nikola Mirotic has ridiculous numbers, but yeah. they his have team lost is losing. One game. They have won one game. So, and how many games Real Madrid has to win in the regular season? So we give the MVP to, let's say, probably Facundo Campaso because he scores like 10, 11 points per game, but he creates another 15, 16 points. And, you know, he creates like 30 points yeah. per game on that team. So how many more games Madrid has to win than the second place yeah. to give the MVP to, to Real Madrid? Because probably, you know, Mike James will definitely have numbers like yeah. he has right now. Um, I don't know if Lapro is going to and Barcelona are going to continue doing that. Probably, you know, one of the Real Madrid guys is, is mm-hmm. one of the main favorites because they're going to win so many games. You know, is it like three, four more games, or they have to win like five more games in the second place?
1: I'm not really sure about that because to me, part of being the MVP is basically uh, getting your team extra Ws. Mm. And if you look at Madrid and compare them, let's say to Monaco or to Virtus, the effect that Mike James has and, and the way he sometimes, I'm not going to say he wins games on his own, but you definitely couldn't imagine them winning without him. In certain situations. Mm. And now Shingelia being the, the leader of, of Virtus Bologna, it gives them more, uh, in my eyes, to be the MVP. Because in Real Madrid, sometimes you're thinking, who's their best player? Okay, is it Campaso? Maybe it's Campaso. So if he gets injured and doesn't play for a month, it's, there's a high um, uh, possibility that Real Madrid will really continue winning. They won the early without Fakuna Kapas last year. So, so uh, to me, part of the deal in the MVP is is about, uh, are you close to being irreplaceable? How close are mm-hmm. you being to irreplaceable for your team? And that's where we're talking about Mike James and Shanghali yep. at the moment. Uh, the, and I'm not trying to downplay Madrid's game or, or Compasso yeah. or disrespect them in any, any way, but to me, it's not only about their team being number one in the standings and being so head and shoulders above everybody else, but also all these things that i mentioned. You yeah.
0: sign for Madrid, not to be in the race for the MVP awards or any kind of awards. Usually you sign for Madrid, you sacrifice your individual stats, individual ad- accolades uh, for... To being in the best position to win the championships, EuroLeague, ACB, all the cups they participate, yep. and of course to enjoy the environment that is closest to the NBA, the way Real Madrid Madrid takes care of you. So yeah, that's that's the part of being a Real Madrid uh, player, and it's good you mentioned this. You know, uh, I would say stats, uh, how much, how many points players g- generate true scoring and assistant, assisting. And thanks to Mikolos Tumbras and BeBolitics, we can check the stat. And what's interesting, Lorenzo Brown creates 35.8 points in the EuroLeague. That's the EuroLeague higher so far. And Mike James is second with 33 points, and then uh, there are players who players who go under thirty points. Nicolas Laprovitola twenty nine point eight points, Campazzo twenty nine, Shengelia twenty nine as well. But in Mike's case, what also makes him uh, so great and why, even though he's second, or in some situations I check the second half uh, points and let's see, Lapro creates almost sixteen. Mike is second with fifteen point two in the second halves, and uh, when the game is on the line. Mike's life is harder in creating points because you have the worst three-point shooting team around you. And in Barça's case, they—they're making everything. I mean, their offensive numbers are crazy. They're—they're they're super smooth uh, offensively, and it's easier yeah. for La Provitola, you know, to—to to get those bigger numbers uh, than Mike. So that's another point to Mike's MVP case. Yeah. And it, it's good you mention again uh, this think that we should separate regular season MVP award, board uh, and we should eliminate this from the final four uh, teams because every MVP that we, we had in the early history were coming off final four teams. So just by, you know, making it an full season award, you exclude Okay, in this case, 14 teams and best players of 14 teams, which is not fair.
1: I mean, of course, you have to ma- uh, get your team to the playoffs. Yeah, you yeah, MVP, that but should be a you, minimum,
0: <clears throat> but, but still. Yeah,
1: you, you probably have to get a nice seed, uh, top four or something like that, or, or be incredible and at least get your team to top six. But the quarterfinals shouldn't count in, in, in the voting, that's for sure. And yeah, what what you said about La Provitola, Mike James... Uh, The thing is, La Provitola has been great so far. Obviously, he missed a couple of games and we're waiting for him to come back. But he doesn't get the superstar treatment Mike James gets. I'm talking about defense. Uh, James, every single night, gets this superstar treatment. uh, Drawing help defense from both sides and all that stuff. let's,
2: Let's not act like they don't defend La Provitola right now. Like. I mean, now, we're he's, not, uh,
0: he's the main
2: catalyst of Barcelona. We're not downplaying they...
0: his efforts as well. I mean, that's for sure. No, I'm,
2: I'm not, ju- I'm ju- not I'm talking about effort. I'm talking, you said that Mike is facing tougher defenses in La Pro Vito. I, I don't think there's this big of a gap Okay. there. You know, talk, when talking about defenses, they they still treat Lapro as the main catalyst to Barcelona, like they treat James mm-hmm. as the number one catalyst. I agree that he has better shooting around, but so far, you know, it's not like you're treating Satoransky as a better shooter than hugely better shooter than Alpha Diallo. They are still helping from him, but so far is that Satoransky has been making those shots at, at a high percentage. But he's still shooting pretty, let's say, wide open. So, I mean, I, I just wanted to say that it's not that big of a gap between defenses to my okay. and, and and, and cool.
1: Cool. Not gonna argue here. Not gonna argue. Yeah,
2: uh, we have. Uh, a
0: lot of topics on this podcast uh, because we decided to to make it as a review of the first month that we had. And usually the first uh, month of the EuroLeague season involves some new emerging uh, MVP candidates, like Tornike Senghelia. He was not in this conversation at all last year. It also involves some newcomers that are really exciting. It also uh, involves overreactions and a lot of stuff. So we're gonna try to go through the list of these uh, topics, but let's start uh, from the head coaches. And we already have four new head coaches six games into the season and what's funny <laughs> that all four almost. Uh, who replaced the first ones uh, they all got victories and for guys like Dusko, uh, Potseko, and Sforopoulos these were the first wins with their new teams for Potseko, it was even the first EuroLeague win in his uh, career and I remember that Like, minutes later when Basconia beat uh, Partizan, there was this, you know, thing trending on Twitter, oh, it's Dusko's effect. So let's rank... I I think that all these coaches had their own, uh, had their effect in their own ways. So let's rank these coaches and their effects. By your own, let's say, standards, you just have to explain the, the standard that you picked and, and mm-hmm. you just rank these four coaches, expanding more about what they brought to the game. What do you like about uh, the way they cha- changed the, their teams so far?
2: Do we even have to say the, the standard we were choosing for the first place? I mean, Luka Banki has won five games out of six. He's been there from start of the season. And this team was bottom three team last year with Sergio Scariolo. And it's not only his arrival that helped. I think shortened rotations also, you know, made it a little bit more clear for the players. So but how Luca Banchi embraced, let's say, some guys that were playing in a second unit, Marco Bellnelli, Isaiah Cordiniere, you know, Brian Dunstan last year was not in and out of the starting lineup of FS. So and now he's beating other teams in the EuroLeague with basically three guys that played in, on the second units last year or either Virtus or some other team. So I loved what he has installed in, in Virtus. You know, that same principles he had with Latvia. You know, you I, I once saw a Twitter photo, a photo on Twitter, which, was, which had Banki's principles in, in Latvia's national team. And it said, you know, uh, play aggressive, play smart, uh, play simple and then have fun. And that's how Virtus is basically playing. You know, they're trying to run it in transition as as, mu- as much as possible. They are really doing a good job there because playing against defenses that are not set. And mm. then I love the way he's using Marco Bellinelli, you know, this year. Last year, we remember uh, at the start of the season, Sergio Scariolo didn't even use Marco Bellinelli in the beginning. Like he was playing five minutes or either not playing. And now he's, When he's on the court, he's one of the main guys, basically. They're running sets for him, they're involving him every time. If the ball is thrown to Shengeli in the post, he's just moving around the court, like, you know, movement similar to what Steph Curry does in the NBA, so... Just a bit slower. Just (laughs) (laughs) tiny, (laughs) tiny bit slower, right. So they have number one offensive rating. And, you know, as I mentioned, this is Isaiah Cordonia making a huge sem from the second unit. And Marco Belinelli from the second unit now in the starting lineup. They were no, they were number 15 offense last year. Now they're number one in the first month. Uh, number two, uh, second place in true shooting. Number two in assists. They're playing fast. They're playing beautiful. They're playing smart in half court. And basically, that's all you need to build a successful offense. You know, you run and yeah. then you play smart in the in, in the set offenses. So. I'm not saying I expect them to continue at this rate. You know, number one offensive rating throughout the season is hard to contain and Luka Banki will have to make some adjustments. But in my eyes, from those four coaches that have changed, you know, at the start of the season, Luka Banki cannot be Mm. number one because he has been there for longest and he has five wins out of six.
1: Yeah, there's no denying that he's doing a great job. But at the same time, it's a bit... Uh, unfair to uh, compare him to the situations that True. Fleropoulos, uh, Poczeko, uh, or Dusko are facing. Because uh, basically like Poczeko stepped into Asvel head coach's position to resurrect a team that seemed dead. That and Dusko Ivanovich has than, a similar task dead. in Bosconia. <laughs> okay, He he takes over a team that Looked okay, just had some issues, but they they did they weren't in crisis or anything like that. Mm. So maybe again, it's a different situation. Uh, so it's impossible to deny that that Banke is doing a great job, and maybe he's the coach of the uh, coach of the month uh, based on everything we said. And and I agree with it. Nobody knows if if they would be 5-1 and one with Scariolo or with somebody else, because basically Banke just stepped up before the EuroLeague season. Okay, the, the season in Italy has already started at that time, but but we were still a couple of weeks away from EuroLeague, right? Something no, no, he, he stepped he, in
2: like at 15th of September, yeah. uh, there was just yeah. only... Uh, they played Super Supercopa Super Super at the first weekend where he yeah. was and they yeah. won that also and their first loss in Italy uh came this weekend yeah almost. so so right. wait
0: so they won the super cup with Scariolo
2: No 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 with, uh, with Banking. banking. Oh, he, he
0: came okay. back from with rapped, the world
2: cup he, he arrived yeah. on Wednesday like and and the super cup was uh for, for the I Italy. think uh, mm. in the next weekend not mm. immediately because they went okay. to Germany for a friendly yeah. tournament and uh, then they okay. went after one week to play super they won that yeah. they won all the games in the Italy until this weekend yeah. and yeah. they lost uh, one game to rival
1: so to me it's it's a different situation of course he was not in the process of building this team building the roster but still he came in before the start uh the, the official start of the season and and had some more time let's say to implement certain things and now we see uh virtus playing the way bank wants them to play uh, that's why uh, i would rank potseko's effect as number one because yeah. In his first game, in his very first game, he was actually close to beating Virtus, Luca yeah. Banki's team. That was a tough game for Virtus, decided in the very last minutes, one shot here and there, and it could have been Oswald winning that game. And from the very first game, you can you could feel that now these Oswald-Willerbaum uh, players are stepping up. Now they're getting their heads up, they're feeling much better uh they're finally trying someone (laughs) actually influencing them and and forcing them to be better forcing them to make that step forward and that was the first game and after that uh, they get a solid win in in the French league uh versus Strasbourg and eventually they finally break the uh nine month EuroLeague losing streak how long was that since 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 January January. and they Do it in a tough, uh, tough environment, in an away game, sold out crowd in Konas. We know that coaches and players always say how how difficult it is to play there uh, against Zalgiris. And they were um, chasing Zalgiris for 38 minutes, but they were always Mm -hmm. hanging in there. They never... uh, gave up they were down 13 in the third quarter they found some solutions they actually played beautiful offense okay defensively they still have a lot of uh, work to do but uh you can see that guys like mike scott are feeling much better now that potseko is here you can see that um yeah,
0: eventually mike scott is the best uh, shooter, shooter that he, ever And now seen yeah he's proving life, that yeah. <laughs> that he's
1: probably the best stretch yeah. for in, in europe right now so his effect at least in the short term, to me, yeah. is, is very significant and it gets them their first win finally in the EuroLeague. And actually that roster is not so bad. No. Luva Wu is back and you can see he's a, he's a really high quality player. So that roster is not so bad. And, and basically uh, it is now, now all of a sudden becomes an interesting team to watch.
0: I think we ranked them seventeenth or eighteenth before the season, and if 17th. we are honest, it's really solid seventeenth, eighteenth ranked uh, team yep. in the Euroleague. It's it's not easy opponents uh, to beat when you rank him that low. Uh,
2: it was pretty easy to beat in the first five games, four,
1: yeah,
2: four games. It seemed like they seemed like
1: the same thing we they, saw last season in the second part of last season. Like it
2: seemed like they wouldn't win the Eurocup the way they were playing. Yeah.
0: And it's funny that we, that's why I suggested you, you know, having your own standard for this ranking, because let's say if I would do a social media boost uh, ranking, Portseco for sure would be on the top, you know, (laughs) Uh, suddenly with all the respect to Aswell players, but he made ASVEL team interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, he made them, uh, he put them on the on the spotlight because locker room speeches with the timeout speeches, with the content that he created in one week is probably, you know, got more views than TJ Parker's tenor in Villarban in general, except from those, you know, big takes about uh, uh, charter flights to Zvezda on the same day of the game day. And there was oh, yeah. another take by uh, another take saying that I think the French league is better than ABBA league or is more competitive than ABBA league or Asvel is getting a more competition in the French league than Partizan or Zvezda something like that so of course uh, it received a huge bl- backlash uh, but anyways it's funny that you mentioned two Italian coaches who are also known and are very good at communication and mm. m- m- motivation the free. Uh, accolades that you you've said about Banky also I, I was missing this fourth one you know the way he managed to motivate his team and I heard this feedback from his players that he's so persuasive that he can you know persuade you to go through the wall he's he's that good at uh, his speeches at his body language and the way he motivates his teams is something extra and that's what Poteco brings you know I it's, it sounds so simple but at the same time I've never heard that from any other head coach, what he said on my kind of a podcast conversation, just uh, rewinding his viral mm-hmm. highlights in his career, and he said that you know players without the head coach, they can win the game. Head coach without players, he cannot win the game. And that's the approach uh, I adjusted uh, mm-hmm. to, to the way I approach the team, and I just try to help them. So it's 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 so simple, and it it makes so much sense. But coaches have egos, and for them, it's not always. So simple, Mm. you know, to get this uh, backseat in the car and to give all the credit to the players. So these coaches, they made their effect also from this motivational uh, standpoint.
1: Passion is is underrated, I think, like Paceco definitely brings more passion to Aswell. The, the, More fighting spirit. The, it's not the question always...
0: is uh, what kind of effect this passion can create long term?
1: Of course, it's a In tough the, league. Uh, national course. team competitions is different. Yeah, of course, it's a tough league. We're not talking about Asheville being playoff contenders yeah. or anything like that. But if they become competitive, when that roster is healthy, like I said, it's, it's a good team. You have enough quality, you have creators, you have. Uh, Big guys, you play these big lineups that are uncomfortable for for other teams, and and you know, uh, okay, maybe defensively they will have issues, but uh, in general, it's it's not really a bad team, and maybe they just needed that spark, that passion. Potecco yeah. breaks. It's not always about your playbook yeah. and the sets you're running.
2: You know, you know the effect, the Potseko effect. That I can, I can make, um, you know, this uh, let's say, not assumption, conclusion. I, this is the conclusion I make about the Poteco effect. First four rounds, I was taking the opposing coach who is playing against Virtus in the fantasy because I knew they will get beaten by 20. Right uh, now...
1: Against Asphil. Against Asphil. Yeah, you said R- Virtus, you're definitely not taking Oh, oh my god. With the, with the, na- <laughs> yeah, with the names. Games. Carry on. Uh, yeah,
2: so I'm I'm taking the coach who is playing against Asphil yep. because I knew they would get beaten by 20. Right now... I'm not so sure taking uh you know the opponents of Aswell when Gianmarco Pozeco is there. Because as you said, they have pretty good roster. And with Pozeco, you never know. He can motivate mm. his players to be to be playing 150% one evening and and you know good things happen when you do that. So uh I loved his effect. I think you know, Banki is just even in a different category, you know. Mm. We should we should rank Definitely, those other three coaches because they have been he- here for so much shorter period. Mm. So, but Seco definitely number one there.
1: By the way, a little off-topic question to you, Donatus. I don't know if you have an answer uh, because yesterday I I saw Tony Parker and Olympic Lyon football game. Is that project still on? As for well, sort of merging with the football club?
0: Uh, I lost the you know pulse of this situation, but from the last updates, I remember uh, the the case was that, you know, the the whole idea of having this merge project with the football club was kind of collapsed because uh, of the new investment, Uh, you know, football better than me, but I think that the football club has new investors and they have a different approach on if they need a basketball team, if they need to merge with the basketball team or not. So I know maybe it was his, you know, one of the ways to um, to start the communication again with the new uh, ownership. But from what I remember, the whole idea of, uh, you know, uh, merging both clubs
1: uh, was kind of gone. Okay, because he was there yesterday and he was shown on television so many times and it was so painful to me that the football commentator didn't recognize Tony Parker. I mean, the guy just lives in a completely different world. He doesn't know who Tony (laughs) Parker is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh-huh. that that was a short off-topic. Yeah, and we
0: have two coaches we didn't mention. Yeah. and uh, I made my own ranking of long-term effect, and I actually put Yanis Feropoulos on the top of that. Long-term? Yeah, because I think that looking long-term, he will be the most. He will have the most successful tenure mm, among those four. It's, it's, it's also because not just for his, of his coaching skills, but of the reasons Rites mentioned, his team was not that bad when they made a coaching change and they still have capability of improving the team, improving the roster. And I think that even among those four teams, uh, Zvezda will be on the top, uh, at the end of the season. And, but
2: and yeah, we've, we we new players. You
0: know? Uh, I mean. One or two signings with one or two roster adjustments.
2: Because I liked what I saw from them in the first four games, considering they are a new team. Yeah, but, yeah, of course. But I haven't seen much improvements. Like those, I see the same things. You know, they 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 have been doing. Uh, you know, and and. Some, but you and can't expect players.
0: much improvements when the head coach was hired four days before the oh, I'm derby not, week. I'm
2: not, I'm not talking here about the coach. I'm mm. I'm saying the improvement from the players' standpoint. So. Uh, I wonder, you know, if 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 they're looking at the market, if they're going to add something or or change something.
0: Mm. I mean, it uh, takes time because suddenly Yago dos Santos is a very relevant player, uh, yeah. and he was out of rotation, so maybe Yanis still needs some time, you know, to yeah. see.
2: No, no, I'm not saying anything about about the coach here. Mm. I'm just saying that I thought, you know, some players will 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 play 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 better and maybe fit together better. Uh. But um, it's like last three four games after i said that zvezda is, zvezda are okay and they should be better like i'm not seeing mm. i'm
1: not seeing those things
2: that i thought
1: i might see at some least changes, so. finally they uh overcame the uh, fourth quarter yeah. uh <laughs> monster yeah that Maybe they, that's they were, a good they were start. facing because uh, they they lost all the games before just because of their performance in the fourth quarter and versus bayern they actually were in trouble mm. again mm. But this time they survived and, and they got the win. And maybe that will give them that extra boosts needed to move forward. Uh, maybe that's what they needed. Yeah. You
2: know, to win the fourth maybe. quarter and to finally feel good about it. Because like
1: we're talking about the new coach effect. In Sviropoulos' case, we probably don't see or feel that effect as of yet, because like you said, he only had a few days to prepare the team for, for, for the eternal derby. They lost the Partizan and... Uh, this game versus Bayern wasn't particularly great, but at least they won it. So even Dusko's effect is obvious because Basconia won the game at home in Buesa, where, I mean, even the, in, in the beginning of the season, even at home, they're known for being a good home team, but even at home, we can remember how Jalgeris basically just kicked their asses. And uh, now the first first game Dusko is back and, and they get the win. Uh, with with Monéki's clutch free throws. Uh, and Dusko has this reputation of being a very good coach to Change re- resurrect the, the team, yeah. uh, to give the boost for, for one or two months with his uh, practices and everything he does. So probably that's what they're going to get. But Baskoń is obviously also making roster changes because the, what they have it's just not enough, so they added Chris Chiosa, And in my eyes, they, they should sign at least one more player to improve the roster. I don't know if they will, but they I, think, I think they should.
0: might actually sign two more players. Okay, I heard that, that they're looking for a big That makes wingman, sense in my eyes. Uh, and it's uh, connected to Khalif, Khalifa Diop uh, injury concerns. And also, they might be looking for a wingman. So, you know, three additions might be a wow. Good, we could have a completely different picture.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if these signings work out, of course. Christiota, I think he has potential, but it's too early to say how good he will be in the Euroleague.
2: But it's pretty big, you know, let's say, pretty big downgrade if they were expecting Karlik Jones, you know, to join.
1: Ah, uh, everyone good. was frustrated. Even Euroleague fans were frustrated <laughs> at Karlik Jones opting for China. We wanted to see Karlaik Jones. People so wanted much to in see EuroLeague. him balling in in, in, yeah. in Euroleague.
0: One is to expect him to join your team. The other thing is to compete against the Chinese uh, Uh, team. So I believe that he got like twice as bigger offer from from China compared to what Bosconian could have offered to him. So he made a business decision.
1: Like I say, uh, so they signed for for and I hope he's going to be a good addition for Bosconian. I I hope he's going to do well, but the reality is for every Shane Larkin, there's a Yogi Ferrell, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's the way it works. (laughs) And sometimes you're just basically gambling with, with, with these players with no European uh, game experience. Some NBA bench players, sometimes, it, like Janaro Gattuso said, <laughs> you know, sometimes maybe good, sometimes, sometimes maybe bad. shit. <laughs> uh, all your life.
2: I don't talk, I don't talk, because if I talk, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> That's probably what Donatas will say when we go to our next segment.
0: I, I just want to add a couple of things about those oh, head coaches okay. and I had this ranking of long-term effect and I put uh, Svaropoulos at first, Banki at second, Dusko uh, third and Potseko fourth because I, I love Potseko but I just don't know what to expect from his... Uh, from him as the rookie yearly coach. And Dusko is Dusko. He's going to win five games in a row. Uh, he's going to inspire the team. They will be Ooh, in the playoff not. race. They're not making the playoffs. And then after the off season, he will be fired in, in two months. And so, and I've actually heard very, very fresh Roger <laughs> Bell's story. You were
2: offering him a lifetime contract <laughs> oh. the last time I heard on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's just, you know, we we, are, we wish the best for Dusko, yeah. you know, so... That's how it should work. But
2: if they win five games in a row now, because they have Olympia away, Barcelona at home and as well, and then Monaco. And it's
0: Dushkov's effect. You know, you oh, can okay. expect anything. But just recently, quite randomly, Roger Bell shared Dusko Ivanovich's story on, on the Ringer podcast. And it was actually suggested suggested by one of our BN Plus members on our BN Plus WhatsApp uh, chat. And Roger Bell said... And, I actually forgot that Rajabell actually signed with uh, Vitoria. It was probably Tausarimica back in the day. It was in 2002. But he didn't play. for He it. didn't play a single game in the Euroleague. That's for sure. Not sure about the Spanish All league. Right. But he arrived to Vitoria and he actually went through the off season. And Rajabell nicknamed Dusko Ivanovic Yugoslavian Bobby Knight, uh, <laughs> and he said that uh, I mean he he thinks that Dusko is a great coach. Uh And he, he's really fine at coaching, but the way he approaches the offseason and, you know, the way he exhausts his players is something else. He said that he had some knee problems and uh, Dushko was, uh, I mean, Roger had some knee problems after one of the preseason games probably. And he said that uh, Dushko, uh, he liked to do those five kilometer runs through the wilderness uh, in Victoria, and then you go to the practice. So you can imagine Roger Bell having <laughs> knee issues and you know he he he's forced to run five kilometers and then he said that Dushko liked this game where I didn't really understand what was that all about but let's say players are jumping on each other and for some reason they have to carry them on and to run as well and he said like Come on, seven-foot centers are jumping on me, I have knee problems. We are, we are about to run this five-kilometer stuff and then we, I'm having a practice. I love Dusko, but I just didn't want to play uh, you know, in that no, kind man. of environment. So yeah, that was Roger uh, Bell's so, experience.
1: So maybe that's the solution. You just don't give Dusko an off-season. You just sign him in November or December. Or okay. you just
0: give him kind of a vacation before the season. You start with the assistant coaches.
1: Uh, but or... Bosconia has this wild card, so probably they can just terminate his contract and bring him back any any time. So, yeah. like you you fire him at the end of the season, somebody else does the off season work, and then Dusko is back. Let's let's not call it firing, on, you on November. know. But let's let's put it like time Sep- off, separation. Like like sometimes when um, oh the hu- husband and wife yeah. they're in a divorce process. Mucho divorce separation. is such a bad word. Yeah, separation. No, is, no, is a better word.
2: Dusko and Bosconia were on a break. Yes. That's even to better. Quote, to
1: quote that, friends, that is yeah. even better. Like when two people are in romantic relationship, sometimes you're facing but, some uh, bumps. But again, Dusko is back for the fourth time.
2: To be honest, when Donata yeah. started this story with saying, uh, you know, Raja Bell told Dushko is a great coach, and then I knew there was going to be <laughs> but. <laughs> but I thought.
1: <laughs> I didn't expect this much. <laughs> Raja Bell. Yeah. I love that we Many are remembering times. players I put on my hoop grids daily. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so,
0: what was the topic you thought that we are about to go next? Missing? Missing player.
1: Ah. Missing player. Top. Hey, uh, missing also, player. So, sorry, but about Dushko, actually, one more thing. About his team, basically, on one player in particular that Chima Moneke made those free throws and, and uh, the, the antiques of partisan players went viral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after the game, Chima Moneke just casually once again complained on Twitter <laughs> that the yearly commentators don't Cimamonica. pronounce his name correctly. And honestly, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm getting it 100% correctly, but to me, it's Chima Moneke. It's it's for sure
0: a, not Chima Monaka.
1: Monika Monica, Cimamonica. whatever they're saying. Chima like, Guys. <laughs> That's two Go names. to acb.com, dot <laughs> There's the official website of, of Liga Endesa, the Spanish league. There's every player pronouncing his name on the website. Mm. Oh, so just you click and you hear Chima Monéke. It's it's that simple. It it shouldn't be that hard. Uh, They're not probably listening. They have
2: the, it, it's round six, so, so.
0: because Monéke already complained about it, and I think yeah. it was the same commentator. But he, yeah, you're should, I mean, should forward this tweet. The man
1: deserves recognition for sure. The way he's been hooping so far, so at least let's try and get his name and pronounced it's not correctly. just about
0: acb.com, There's pronunciation guides on Euroleague, Euroleague as Media as well. yeah, Center, yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's sure. It's also another solution.
1: Chima Moneke, I think, I think I'm I'm saying mm-hmm. it right.
2: Talking about these pronunciations, fun um, right before the season, right before Victor Vumbunyama started. Uh, playing, the Biyami? Play, <laughs> playing out of <laughs> his mind. There was um Kendrick Perkins called him Wemba Yimba. Yeah. Wemba Yamba, I think. And, and and Reggie Miller also had some, some uh funnier. It,
1: but it's not such spelling such you. a tough uh-huh. name to pronounce. Like sometimes I don't understand how uh, some Americans mess things up like Wembonyama, but probably in uh, because it's French, the uh, emphasis is on the on on the last a, so it's Vembonyama instead of Vembonyama. But people are getting used to saying Vembonyama or Vembi, and that's fine. But how do you come up with these Vembiambi's and, and <laughs> was great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Vembiamba.
1: Vembonyamba. <Vembiyamba. laughs> yeah, And just anyway. I, I I heard Gilbert Arenas calling him Vebiami. <laughs> Why there's Gilbert Arenas? <laughs> Agent Zero, yeah. yeah. Just
0: one last time.
2: Chima Moneke.
0: Moneke.
1: Chima Moneke, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's for not sure not Monica. Monica. Not Monica. Monica.
2: Not two names, you know? Chima Monica. So, let's get
0: back to the topic. Who's your top player that you're missing the most?
2: Can we start from you? Or are you going to do... Yeah, I, I can, I, can, I can, I'm
0: afraid I, I have an easy choice. Kind kind of boring choice for me. It's Will Clyburn.
2: Oh, I
0: have
3: another
1: one. That's great. I thought I'm happy I, that we're. I definitely thought we we're gonna have the same name here. Me too. All me too. I thought Clyburn really was going to be. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be Will Clyburn. Although I agree with you, Carson Edwards. It's I never no. Good. It's... Bill Doza? No, it's Lucas. Lucas. His, t- his team is unbeaten, but the backup center is dominating. Ah, oh, it's Tavares. Okay. I had him, but. I
2: was like, yeah, come on. Yeah, it's also an obvious
1: choice. It's also an obvious choice. And I, I'm not in panic mode. I, I definitely f- believe that he's going to start uh, putting up those numbers and he's going to be back. But so far, they're still winning because Vincent Poirier has been great mm. and Tavares is underperforming. Mm. But it's not. It, it doesn't hurt the team as much as it, it it probably hurts FS that Will Clyburn is not delivering. And just for the record, in Tavares' case, I heard that uh, at the start of the season
0: he was influenced by some health issues that he had. Yeah. And they were, like, related to his ability to play two games in the ACB and the Mm -hmm. EuroLeague. And actually, in the ACB he had some crazy stats, but in the EuroLeague, you know, he had Vincent Poirier uh, and a slow start. But I think that Tavares, is, you know, he for sure will get better. And I think that he reached that level where he can kind of estimate the time when he needs to reach his peak, like he did last year. Actually, he mm-hmm. was the beast in the playoffs. And of course, the final four MVP award uh, just was another additional thing. But, you know, he, he will for sure get better. I'm just, I just don't like what I'm seeing with Phil Kleiber. I mean, 9.7 points per game, 17% three point shooting and Fs, uh, really disappointing start, two wins in, in, in six games, uh, and it, it's, it's Will Clyburn that we're not used to see, but I'm not blaming the guy that much uh, because I think that there are two big big reasons behind. Uh, first of all, the new head coach and the new system that he had to fit himself in. But the bigger reason I think that plays the biggest role here is the injury he he got. I don't think that, I don't know if you guys remember the injury he got in the Turkish league finals. Against finals, It was Mm a pretty ugly injury, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it was something with his knees. And from what I heard, I don't know if it was officially announced or not. Uh, He had surgery, he had a tough half season, and it's not like he could prepare himself as he was used to uh, for the start of the season. And we're talking about a 33-year-old guy who was coming off Achilles injury uh, four Mm. years ago. It's not easy uh, for him to to come back. Uh, It might take more time. And I believe that he will also, despite the challenges he himself and uh, FS are going through, he will be way better in at least long term. Uh, because, you know, we remember he was cooking for FS in the semifinals against Fenerbahce. He was he was him. In the final series against Karishyaka, he also started off uh, really well. He was dominating uh, in the Euroleague as well. In my eyes, he was all Euroleague team uh material and you cannot expect him you know to be that bad in four months so mm-hmm. there are some bi- it, there has to be some big reasons behind that and i'm a big will Clyburn believer believer but i just think that you know mm, fs missing him that much affects him also uh too much so it was all around let's say missing
1: but there thing. are so many other players underperforming that's true for, for yeah. FS. It's not only about Will Clyburn. It's like you have a new point guard now and Darius Thompson also needs time to adjust. It's not the same Darius Thompson we saw last, last mm. year in Bosconia. Things are different right now. He's only he's averaging less than three assists per game. And last year, he was a double-double machine, so he has mm. to adjust to playing next to Shane Larkin. And Shane hasn't been that great as well. I mean, he had at least a couple of games where, where the shots were not going in and, and he was, wasn't as aggressive as we expect him to be. I, I would say their only consistent player so far has been the veteran, Rodrigue Beaubois. Other than that, uh, there are many guys playing below their level mm. and FS is not winning, so... Uh, I'm not sure how much patience FS has with the new coach. I, I expect Erdemjan to continue and things will get better, but the, the start of the season is really disappointing for FS.
2: I, I have really high hopes, you know, on, on Erdemjan. And I just think that, I don't know if, if this score can be good, you know, again, because this team with Will Clyburn, I mean, Joining, we have seen them be good only in the Turkish League playoffs, and they have they had they have had so many injury problems. Like to start of the season, you know, as you mentioned, I even asked you Donatus. I don't know if you remember. Does Will's Will's movement look different to start mm-hmm. the season? And I was like, this, this is after the surgery, or or, or what happened? And, and probably it is, but I just hold Will to such a high standard, and I think we all do, and it, he he does him for himself and just to be you know at an amazing level offensively he needs to be physically well and to have a positive impact on the team he has to be amazing offensively because it's not only about that he's scoring 10 points on a on a 17% free free point shooting like defensively there every team is picking him and Shane Larkin as as the main targets and and there so far they have not been able to uh hold their own one on one And FS offense, I think, is one of the worst in. In uh, FS defense, is one of the worst in the league so far after six rounds. And this team hasn't been good defensively. And we thought it might have been, you know, the coach not putting a lot of emphasis, maybe not much, not enough scouting. But we see a coach right now who has a completely different approach, and they still are pretty bad defensively. So that is my question to this team: Can the way it is constructed? Can they be good offensively as, as the core? I'm not talking about Will anymore here, but it's just my question to Efes. So really big question marks. I hope Will will be in a better shape and he can be again, you know, a 17 and 18 point scorer that we know he, he's capable of being. And maybe this way Efes will start picking up wins because they have been pretty bad to start the season.
0: Yeah, as you said, they have 17th defensive rating. Second worst. And actually at this point of the last season, in the first half of the last season, he he was averaging, Will Clyburn was averaging 19 points. So now he, I mean, FS in total, they get 10 points less and it's not easy to win games. And uh, at this point he actually had a uh, six game 20 plus consecutive streak uh 20 plus points consecutive consecutive streak from Will Clyburn. So yeah, that's that's huge. And as you mentioned, they're they're not built for defense, so they have to be great in offense. And Will is far away from that, but he's not the only reason why FSRs struggling. For sure not. Uh so you mentioned Tavares. Tavares. Yeah. And, and your pick was Clyburn. Clyburn. Oh, you also had Will Clyburn. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I, I thought that you had a different player.
2: I thought you're not going to mention him because if you speak, you are in big trouble. He is not coming on the podcast anymore. You know? He's, he's <laughs> not coming to the pod,
0: on the podcast either. I mean, in any case, he just got a lot of hate for his Olympiakos takes uh, last oh, season before the Final yeah, Four. Oh I remember now, yeah. I remember so. now. <laughs> and at the end... Well, he's
2: not the only one who gets hate from Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah. Men, so. Just for players, is different. They're not used yeah. to it, so we are kind of... It's our cup of tea every day, basically.
2: And We're about to get some more, I think. Uh, We're going to do the top overreaction
0: Oh, segment. So what's your top overreaction?
2: Vitis, do you have something in mind? Um, or, or do I go with my Olympiakos take right, right
1: away? <laughs> the biggest over. Personally, I don't have any overreactions, but it's prob- no, but probably me heard, picking from, yeah, from or... how others react. Yeah, exactly, so, that's so, about so it. That's thing, about that. so. I
2: think we already talked about one, like Walter Tavares. Uh, yeah. I think some people are overreacting to that.
1: Yeah, but since we, the team is winning, I don't yeah, think that we, too uh, many people, it's probably just the people that actually drafted him in fantasy as as their number one pick. <laughs> True. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a <laughs>
0: um, personal hate.
2: Okay, guys, uh, did, you f- uh, did you feel uh, this way? Did you feel that people are saying Olympia costs are as good as they were last year? Mm, or no. Maybe oh, after the first
1: win after the the first derby and okay. the, the the first game in the Euroleague where Alec Peters was so great and it seemed like they don't even need Vizankov anymore. Uh It's
2: not like Alec Peters is not great like he's no, still he averaging is 14 points. He
1: is for sure but but uh, overall
0: I don't think so to be honest because I think that on this podcast we kind of shared enough concerns mm. if those players are going to replace Vizankov uh, Slukas, yeah, are then, they going and to be as great? And then we received
2: great? a lot of comments, oh, they're, uh, you know, it's only two players, Olympiacos are a team, oriented team, and, and it is yeah. true, but they're just not as good as they were last year, at, at the moment, for the first month of the season, they're not as good. Yeah. And and I know they have had a lot of injuries, they barely played a game with the full lineup they had. Yeah,
0: And uh, it's early, it's also
1: very early.
2: early, true, but I don't, I, I just don't think they're as good you Know to start, so
1: they signed Brasdakis Brze- and he's barely even playing, so we, we cannot. And even, they're looking
0: for another player,
1: so don't for me, even it not know what role he's gonna sense. play in that team because mm. first he came in injured and he played, but barely. Uh, okay, so I have two overreactions, uh, and it's not my overreactions, it's just something I, I, yeah, I, I, I saw the, on social media, yeah. I saw basketball fans commenting, and, and you just feel like so. So, first, uh, is related to Maccabi, like people saying that their season is done. There's no hope for the team. They're not going to have Menorah, that home court effect. Uh, Wade Baldwin isn't playing. Uh, they're in a tough situation. They're looking for, for uh, solutions to play their home games. They have games postponed and all that. And they're three and two. They just won in Milan. Uh, Lorenzo Brown is hooping. Uh, they're waiting for Wade Baldwin to come back. So I think these guys are just focused on basketball, and they're doing a pretty good job so far. They they won in a tough environment in Oaxaca. Uh, three and two is not a bad position to be in after five games. Okay, they still have one more game postponed that was versus Madrid. I, I think. think Madrid. <laughs> uh, and and Wade Baldwin is about to make his comeback. So maybe there's a bit of an overreaction. I know mm-hmm. that what what's happening there in in. In Israel, in Gaza, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's uh, something I don't really want to talk about, but uh, this team is still good. The roster is solid. Baldwin is coming back, and I think there's still definitely playoff material and a team that can compete for the final four. Of course, when you don't have that true home court advantage, uh, it might be a problem. It's also a problem for the club because you're not selling tickets. Yeah, losing a lot of money. But basketball-wise, I think that they're still a good team. And there's a bit of an overreaction by saying that Maccabi this season, they will not be relevant. And another one is, uh, that Barcelona is better without Charas, Mm -hmm. uh, with Roger Grimau, who's doing a great job. I have nothing bad to say. It's just that Charas was also getting results in the regular season. His team was number one seed and and they were getting wins and all that. And, uh, Mm -hmm. so it's too early to say. If, if they're better now. Uh, Maybe but, but they're some more people, exciting some, some at pe- the moment. Some people are reacting and saying, oh, yeah. look at look how La is playing now, they're all free, now they're playing much better. There are still some principles left actually uh, from mm. last season, the way they use the mismatches, the way they play in the post. Uh, the roster is a bit different. Uh, Roger Grumau is definitely bringing the best out of these guys so far, and it's 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 great to see. Uh, but it's still too early. So these overreactions by saying like Shadas was a problem now they're much better. I think it's definitely too early for that. Yeah,
2: I think Grumau is just you know doing an, an excellent job of of keeping keeping the best principles and the structure giving players the freedom to, to express themselves. And and that's why Barcelona are playing. And I think, you know, people, not a lot of people like the way Barcelona were playing under Xares. Mm. You know, how many times Mike James said it, <laughs> I don't want to watch Barcelona on EuroLeague TV. Like, I'm not turning that TV. <laughs> and in I said it as game, well. It, many know, times. Many times. So, right now... People are seeing Barcelona team who plays beautiful basketball, who shoots three pointers early, and who doesn't like that? So, mm.
1: And they're winning. And like so, they're facing uh, some problems. They, they played Panathinaikos. Both teams are without point guards. Uh, Vildosens, <laughs> Lucas out for La uh, Lopravito Leokoubaitis Lopra. 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 out for uh, Barca. So what are your solutions? Panathinaikos didn't find any, uh, nothing worked. And I told Barcelona, okay, so satransky will have to play 32, 35 minutes. Nope. Nope. Oriol Pauli. Aurel Pauli is, is, is put uh, in the point guard position. Kind of, I see some similarities to Leandro Balmaro. Balmar, yeah. Like a small forward who's capable of handling the ball and creating not the best three-point shooter, but sometimes he can punish you when you go under and he made mm-hmm. it one free. He He was driving, he was performing at a very high level, especially in the first half. There's a solution. The guy that doesn't make the 12-man roster when everyone's healthy <laughs> is capable yeah. of, of being a, a backup point guard to Tomas Tataranski. I've heard
2: that story somewhere in, in Spain. Also, you know, when you don't know even a player oh. and he just steps in, mm. in the yearly playoffs or final four. Final 16, four, especially. Yeah. 16, yeah. To 17, stop Nikola 17 Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That, that, one, that one. And that
0: guy. It, <laughs> actually,
1: Oriol Paul is Oriel the... Oriol re- Paul is not six, a 16-year-old, but... No, but yeah. I mean, the same <laughs> principle. You know? yeah, yeah, the guy yeah.
2: who's not even in rotation yeah. steps in and, and, and... It's true,
1: it's true.
0: Yeah, him and uh, even Jabari Parker, I mean, I would say it, it wasn't Jabari Parker's fans podcast uh, early into the season, but I mean he is also giving important contribution mm. in his own cool. way and and probably Roger Grimau one of his best abilities right now is that he manages to make everybody important or to uh, to 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 help them thrive mm. uh, in, in his system so far so that's beautiful that's beautiful a lot of beautiful things about Barca so far never
1: been a Jabari Parker hater i just didn't like the uh, signing the move uh, yeah. by the club it's not on the player it's on the club but he's playing Good at least offensively, and he's actually getting better. So maybe I will be proven wrong. So yeah, I give versus Pennet cause. He had this, that one stretch where he just he he was just unstoppable. He went coast to coast, he made a fadeaway jump shot, he Side-
2: sidestep, uh, ISO.
1: Yeah, he,
0: he reminds me grabbed an offensive him. rebound. He didn't have a clear role. But in some yeah. situations, he managed to change the momentum of the game with his energy, mm. with his power plays, uh, with his transition so, game.
1: With Parker, we're probably more talking about scoring. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But and
0: it's not as all around as it was but, with
1: Dante. And and again, and Coach Grumau feels that uh, Parker is having a good night. So he's going to start a third quarter with him, although he wasn't in the starting lineup. They had Oscar de Silva. It's good coaching, definitely. Uh, so, Ataman and Grimau faced the same issue. Point guards were injured. Barcelona dealt with it much better than Panathinaikos.
0: Yeah, that's true. And in my eyes, the, my top of reaction was that I actually already mentioned that, you know, people saying that Real Madrid are too, re, too good for this year league, and they wonder how they're going to be stopped. And, you know, I've been too long in this business already. And if you remember our last two champions we had in the year league, what was the narrative going about, you know, choose Mateo and Real Madrid at the start of the season and now look, they're winning the Euroleague uh, despite the challenges, despite the bad game that they produced for for long stretch of the season. And then we had this FS thing, you know, uh, where they didn't take it serious at the beginning. They were out of the playoff picture actually midway through the season and then they won the Euroleague. It's, it's not about, it's not like I'm saying that Real Madrid is not that good and they're not, they don't deserve these accolades. It's just about the competition itself. We have the final four format. So these early October yearly champions, they don't exist because mainly because of the format that we have in the league. So I just don't like this, sure. you know, thing about that. Oh, it's impossible to stop. No, the league format will stop them. If, if not some other quality team that will emerge throughout the season. That's for sure.
2: So you are saying a team who is struggling right now will win the Euroleague? Donatas just said Olympiacos are going to win nah, the nah, Euroleague? League. I'm not saying
0: that, but you know, I, would, I won't be surprised if <laughs> Olympiacos won the Euroleague. But, but, yeah. yeah.
1: but be fair then, uh, do you see any of the teams uh, winning uh, versus Real Madrid in best of five series? Mm, right now it's too early
0: in my eyes, really. We're talking about one team which peaked quite early and we have a lot of teams that are mm. struggling and we're in the beginning of November. So we didn't see the best version of some other teams that we could compare to have but the fair a- argument. We actually
1: haven't seen best version of Real Madrid. Who knows? We just talked for yeah, five we're minutes about Tavares, Tavares. Tavares still not being the same Eddie. Yeah, but Minsane Poirier is as great as he... i never seen him being that of, good. of their roster. of their roster. I don't know. I. Actually, if they are all healthy, uh, I cannot imagine them losing a, a a series. But that's a big if again, and it's too early, as you said. Uh, and yeah, some other teams like you could easily overreact to, let's say, Valencia or Fenerbahce, what they have done so far. But you don't see them as some sort of invincible teams that uh, no, will invincible. not will will not go down at some point. But but with Madrid, you're at least guaranteed they're gonna clinch the home court advantage. In oh the yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable, Again, it's more about it's the unthinkable to see them dropping to yeah. to play in or, or, or fifth, sixth seed. It's not gonna happen realistically.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: what else? You're oh okay. Your your Euroleague TV pass. Top three teams that you watch after the first month, or you recommend to watch.
2: I think right now I have three teams and I, I, I just understood why I have these three teams, because to me, uh, two of those teams have new coaches. So that's already interesting to watch. I'm really interested to see what these coaches are, how they're going to install their offense, defense, you know, new set plays, new ideas, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And the other team just changed two of their, their main uh, players which happened to be Kostas Lukas and Sasha Vizankov. So my top three teams that I watched the first month, and I recommend watching is Olympia Kos, because it's always nice to see them play with their off ball. I really enjoy watching them play, really, even, even if they, you know, struggle sometimes. But uh, to me, they're, they're they're nice to watch. Um, and I have Barcelona and Virtus after the first month. Yeah. I I just, you know, as, as I mentioned ten minutes ago in this podcast, two of these teams play fast. They their coaches have given freedom uh, to to the players in offense. They're shooting early. They're shooting three pointers. They're playing hard. Uh, I loved the set plays for the shooters: uh, Roger Grimal for Abrines, Luca Banki for Bellinelli. The continuation in offense is 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 nice to watch. Yeah, and Vesely has been a uh, surprising... His mid-range lead. game is he, he's so back consistent. To his, he's back to his... Decision-making you know, is elite, brilliant. Elite. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, late late slips in the pick-and-rolls, like these t- tiny details not, that not many big guys do, you know. He, he plays like two pick-and-rolls in a row where he's trying to set the screen and he sees that it is a switching defense and then he comes for a th- third one or it's like a hedge defense and he slips because he knows that the guy is going r- really high aggressively on the ball and then he gets a advantage basically from nothing. So, Barcelona, and mean, and Virtus were my top three teams that I watched. And I didn't choose Monaco because I know at least one of these two guys have are going to mention this. So I went to, you know, some new teams.
0: Yeah, right. you were right. You were right about Monaco. I mean,
2: or Ritis, either, either yeah. Ritis or Donadas. One of those two yeah. guys are going to mm-hmm. mention Monaco. Like, it's not possible. I mean, be honest. You both had Monaco in your list.
1: Yeah. Huh? Of well, of course. <laughs> of, of, of course, I mean, you're talking to a guy who puts, uh, exclamation marks, uh, saying rock a team on, on, on Twitter after <laughs> they win in Milan. So, uh, yeah, Monaco is my number one. I always watch them. I always, I watch their every game. I Mike James is my favorite player in the league and I'm so happy to see Jordan Lloyd back. I Ooh, think he's absolutely. gonna bring so much to this team again, uh, because Kobo hasn't been really consistent. He, he's having his ups and downs and now you back, uh, you have your another star player back, Jordan Lloyd, definitely uh, an elite guard. So, uh, and and they got wins even without him, which is good because they started 0-2 and after that start, it's it's kind of easy to get your heads down and, and lose a couple of more games. And then all of a sudden uh, you're in trouble, but nope, they responded, they got the wins and now they, they have Jordan Lloyd back on the court. Uh, I'm a fan of his game as well, but the main reason why I uh, follow Rocket Team is, is Mike. That's, that's he, for he's sure. one of those rare
0: players that make wow plays. That sometimes after his shots, you're like, okay, we're kind of used to Mike James' greatness, but I mean, it was something else, you know, his shots against Milan, not just mm-hmm. this dagger, but also uh, buzzer breeder at the end of the third quarter, I guess mm-hmm. corner free, or uh, I think. He's making such great plays. And at the same time, why for me it's interesting to to see, to follow Monaco at the start of the season, is that they still kind of struggle. They're getting some tough wins, except for this win against Maccabi. And you know, some other players, they're on a slow start. So, but every time, somebody else steps in, you know. Every time, even like in the game against Milan, for instance, Donatas Motunas played some some nice minutes at the end of the game with his deflections, with a uh, defensive stop against uh, Devon Hall, I think it was. Uh, the other night, there's somebody different, you know, maybe Alfa Diallo. So they always face struggle. Usually they play some late-minute uh, dramas. There's this Mike James uh, greatness. We also have this, you know, thing with Kemba Walker, if he's uh, going to prove us wrong or not, you know, he's the former NBA player. So it even adds something extra towards them. So a lot of reasons to, mm. to follow their game. Yeah, I
1: agree that maybe their game uh, is as beautiful as it could be. Uh, they still have this uh, issue with three-point with shooting. Yeah. Although it seems like with some of the roster move, they might solve the issue. Uh, we can expect maybe Peter Cornelie to, to get better, to get oh, yeah. more opportunities. Uh, you can see Sasha Bradovich sometimes using all three options at center position, even in the first half, like starting with with Demo. Then he tries Cornelie as a five. Then there's Donta Hall. Uh, They also have Mam He he, He's in the rotation sometimes. Of course, they they need a deep roster to also win games in the French League. I get it. Um, There's still work to be done. But after these four wins, at least no one's talking about Sasha Obradovich losing his job. Because when he started with two losses, there were people definitely... But it was another reaction, I would say. Yeah, 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 I agree, I agree. It could
0: make our, our I mean, it's a coach
1: that, that got the team first yeah. first year to the playoffs and had a very competitive uh, series versus Olympiakos. Olympiacos. And in the second year, he, he gets them to the Replace. final four. Yeah,
0: he replaced Mitrovic, uh, yeah. you know, in the first season, and he changed the whole mm-hmm. season and as well.
2: Anyway, Monaco are third in 3 percentage. so. Third. They're not shooting. They're shooting third-lowest three-pointers. Yeah but they are third in three point percentage Aye. in the league. Oh really? really? I didn't realize that. 30, <laughs> okay. 39.4. Okay, man. Is that really so maybe biggest? that's not
1: an issue at all.
2: Maybe you just- It was in the first couple of games, they were shooting mm, below below 30. Mm. Right now after six rounds, bbolitics.com. So if Mikolas yeah. Tumbras- How
0: I got them 18th.
1: I don't know, true shooting percentage? <laughs> 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 what, what, what's that? No, okay. Okay, so don't they don't take as many frees as as no, other teams? Maybe check the last year's
0: stats. I don't know. Yeah, because Byron is the worst shooting team. Yeah, that's that's weird. Anyways.
1: Anyway, anyway, now that that Lloyd is back, Mike James will have more help. Mm-hmm. Another closer, another player who 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 can close uh, games and and he creates more space and sometimes. If James faces a tough defense and maybe faces those nights where the shots are not going in, you have the Mm -hmm. second option. Last year, there were uh, at least a couple of games where uh, James was kind of off and and Jordan became the number one option offensively. Anyway... they're an exciting team just because of the so who because else? of the talent and the competitiveness they have. You, and the other teams, you that can t- speak t- t- uh, you?
0: about Monaco for
1: one hour. Yeah, because know I, I was about to say, guys, enough about Monaco. Like I <laughs> it's
2: mentioned never enough, teams. Like you, it is never enough. Ten minutes uh, about uh, Monaco on every podcast. God so,
1: damn. so my second team is is actually Valencia. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. it's nice to see a team that has a young coach. The first year for Alex Mumbrú wasn't very easy, but they reshaped the roster. Uh, they they said goodbye to some veteran players and they went for a different approach to have more size, to have more athletic players, uh, to have centers that can actually uh, add some muscle in the paint Uh, because in the past Valencia was known for having shooting bigs like Dubljevic, Tobi and and some others. Uh, And why they are an exciting team to see is because coach Mumbrou uses all 12 players in his rotation and everybody is a superstar in their role. Everyone knows what are the expectations for him, what are his, his duties uh, in in the game, what he has to do, whether he plays with the second unit or, or, or the starting lineup. There's Chris Jones, there's Stefan there's Jared Harper. Uh, there are all these um, physical players that, that make them one of the best defensive teams in the league right now. Uh, I like watching De- Damien Inglis, uh, a French player. Uh, I think he's a EuroLeague rookie. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Davis has been great so far. I mean, they're a good team and they use all 12 players they have in the rotation, playing important minutes. I'm not saying that the 11th and 12th player just plays when when everything's done. No, they, they play even in the first half all 12 guys. So that's why they, they've been a pretty exciting team it, it, so far. And it, yeah. You added by Valencia?
0: Yeah, it's good you mentioned, you know, that added more size and physicality because they're the best defensive team according to Bibliotix as well. And they kind of reminded me of under the coach Jessica when he emphasised when they signed Brandon Davis and Axel Tupan, we have we kind of have similar situation with Brandon Davis and also Shemi Ojile, who's you know way better version of Axel Tupan. Oh, yeah. and the difference those guys also, of course, there were others involved, but the difference they made, adding physicality and size, and how it helped the mid or I would say low level EuroLeague team to to become a thing uh, during the season. So there are some you know similarities to me between that that Jorgidis and and this Valencia team.
2: Our thinking today has been really similar because I was going to say, doesn't doesn't Valencia remind you of last year's Ralgers?
0: Oh, Last year's Jadgers, when mm. they had
2: a lot of, when they bought physical players, mm. they were playing aggressive defense. They were top five defense in the in the first part of the season, and they were winning games because they played good defense. And then it's Keenan Evans' time. Here is Chris Jones' time, you know, and, and he's holding the keys to their offense. And they're playing a lot of post-ups. They're playing 15% of post-ups in their offense in the EuroLeague. Zalgiris last year, Brazdekis at the two, had position, position advantage you know, uh, over a lot of two two mm-hmm. two guards. Yeah. Uh, Ulanovs, Roland Schmidt's post-ups. And then you mentioned, uh, Ritis mentioned the change in the center position, which they signed a more athletic center instead of shooting bigs, just like Zalgiris did with Kavari's Hayes for defensive purposes. Like Brandon Davis gives you a lot more often mm-hmm. than Cavarius Hayes mm-hmm. does but he's he's you know he can switch he can play aggressive hedge defense and and that's why I thought okay wow it really reminds and they're playing really aggressive like Jalgiris did last year they kind of went away to to start this season they're not playing as aggressive as they were playing mm. last year so that's why I was like Valencia oh they're doing what Jalgiris did last year
1: yeah mm-hmm. that that's a nice comparison even last season it was like i said the first season for Mumbai as a head coach they still seemed like a stereotypical Spanish team that has a lot of shooters. Mm. When they play at home, they feel very nice. They get the flow of the game away from home, not so good. They're not not really great defensively, a completely different team right now. And one of my proudest takes, because many times I'm so, so wrong, but one of my proudest takes was before last season saying that uh, Sammy Ogile is gonna be an exciting EuroLeague player. Because I actually like what I saw in him when um, I saw some games of Boston Celtics where, where he played. Mm. And this season, I mean, he's he's even taking a step forward because last year he was not on a winning team because Virtus were not so good. And now he's on a winning team and he's one of the core key players. And the numbers are like he's averaging 14 points per game, six rebounds uh, with good shooting percentages actually his free point percentage is 61.5 although he's not taking that many shots but he's getting to the free throw line a lot because of his physicality mm. um yeah so that's probably one of my proudest takes in the in the last <laughs> few years uh, do you
2: have any, any
0: I have more my teams? Valencia I have Virtus Augustus you, you mentioned them as well yeah right. and I have Virtus I, as my I third I think I should team. watch them more but the thing is that you know it's also uh, about the matchups uh, you mentioned Virtus played Asvel. They played Jalgiris, uh, some some other teams, and of course, when you try to look, when you try to choose that one game of the night where you have seven games, you're looking for for the biggest drama for for some big teams competing each uh, each other. But every time I turn on Virtus, like I did with FS, for instance. You just enjoy this team basketball. Yep. They just feel mm. so good with each other. It feels like it's May for them already mm. and they're reaching their peak uh, for the playoffs or the for, for the final series. Schengeli at the point forward position, something else. When I mean, he feels that confidence about himself and coming off the coaching staff, of his teammates. I mean, he he's so smooth with his passing abilities that it's, he, he reminds me a lot of, let's say, uh, it's still not even Luke Sigma because he was playing for a losing team Alba it kind of reminds me a bit of Nikola vucic let's say uh, a, a big man of course Vučić was more of a center who makes such a huge difference in creating for others here in Europe we actually mm-hmm. saw Mustafa Fall getting a triple-double in the Greek league which is which is also impressive yep. and you know it's, it's really nice to see them because they're good all around they're super aggressive defensively it's, it all starts from defense but also it gets on the offense as well every night you see different Facilitator, or it's Ife Lundberg, then there's Jalen Smith, Marco Bellinelli. We should do something about his ability to draw fouls, shooting trees because he's so smart. Players are not happy, he's so smart because you could break down it way better. But I mean, when he receives the handoff, usually those shooters they, they run and they try to shoot. Bellinelli already getting a, a receiving a um, handoff he already jumps into the shooting position yeah he and he jumps for a shot and the other player he just you know hitting him because he cannot stop himself because he's running not at possible. full speed to get bellinelli and if if you know if the hit is not strong enough bellinelli d- does everything to show that it was a huge <laughs> blow you know <laughs> to get a foul call and i mean there's no such stat but for sure he has to be the uh, he he has to lead the year league in in fouls draw shooting the three pointers and mm. and yeah there's there's a reason why he's he looks so similar to Rocky Balboa. I saw that there's this yearly <laughs> thing where they put, you know, the nickname, the best uh, qualities of the person and I think that uh, the famous or the most favorite Belenelli's movie scene was or or song right. to hype up for the game was I have Rocky Balboa. Uh, I have the Tiger. I have the yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. All right.
2: Anyway, so, like, how, how, how do you stop that? But it's, it's really hard. Let's like, wait till he meets yeah. Apollo Creed <laughs> <laughs>
1: or Ivan <even> Drago. <laughs> Things will get nasty.
2: <laughs> anyway, Virtus is like, Virtus' situation um, would be like, you know, when some NBA team gets like three national televised games before the season. Or or even one game per season. Sacramento Kings last year. Yeah, and and all of a sudden, (laughs) they're they're so good, you want to watch them on national TV, but there are no games scheduled because nobody Mm -hmm. expected them to be this good. That's Virtus this season.
1: And I have them at number three, although usually I would put Maccabi, but... Uh, and, and uh, we will update these rankings after a month and I hope Maccabi <laughs> will be top three because they are my second favorite team in the league. That's for mm, sure. Mm. After Monaco. But uh, Virtus and I have them mainly because it's such a privilege to watch prime Tornike Shingelia Oh yeah. I miss him so much. He it didn't feel like it's the same Toco for the last three years. Ever since he left Vittoria. And now we're again seeing him, not only in his prime, probably that's the best basketball he's ever produced. I mean, and all around, and all around right power forward.
0: Team is, is winning, yeah. Yeah, and it, that's crazy because he was that close of joining Pan nikos And you know, everybody thought that this situation for him was mm. a potential upgrade. And now he ends up in a situation where Virtus is five and one yeah. And who knows? Month. Maybe
1: in Panathinaikos, because there are so many new players yeah. and they're they're a mess right now. Maybe we wouldn't be talking about exactly. Shengelia uh, mm-hmm. playing the way he does yeah. for Virtus.
2: Yeah, once again, how one slight change of yeah. situation can change our perspective on uh, players. I, I love
1: what Eric uh, and, and Kendrick said on 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 the last podcast. Like there are no bad players in Euroleague, but sometimes you're not in the right situation. Yeah, that that is true. Uh,
0: but speaking of bad situations, uh, can you rank, we have, uh, PAO, Milan, those, I would say yearly powerhouses that we saw potentially being successful this year, but now they're end up themselves, finding themselves in the bottom of the standings. Uh, c- could, could you rank them in terms of how high hopes you have on them? Changing the momentum of the season, changing things around and getting back to the at least top eight picture.
1: You said Pau, FS, Milan, Palacos, and
0: FS and Milan. Just three teams. Three teams. So hard here. We can include others, but mm. I mean, uh, even in Partizan and Zvezda case, it's, it's different. They're not at the standard I, l- of, of Milan l- and Yeah.
1: So you start because we, we've been talking. I've too much. I've actually uh, I tried to reach out to some
0: people who played against all of those teams because they could feel it, it better because me personally I'm mad on basically all these teams for my own reasons so I tried to get the perspective of the players who played against them and I was surprised because I've just got few responses and somebody is saying that, oh, I don't believe in this Milan team because they're just too old. Uh, they made bad bad core decisions. Uh, there's, there's no chemistry in the team. You can see some bad body language uh, already. And although Nikola Mertic is, is delivering huge numbers, you know, it, they think that those, those people I talked to, they think that, you know, they, they changed the whole chemistry and rotations uh, and roles in this team, okay. let's say, in a more negative way.
2: How can you be happy when you have like seven guys in, in the front court?
0: Yeah. Who are all more than And they can all playing. play. We're not talking about some young Italian players at the end of the rotation, but there are some others who think that, you know, they think vice versa. They think that with Billy Barron coming back with the addition that they're looking at right now, potentially replacing Kevin Pangos, it might fix things. They're talented enough. They're deep enough. They had a good coach. So it's a long season. Samaritan and they're gonna change things uh, in, in a few months. so you know that's the thing about these teams about ho- having hopes. Milan is on the market. I heard it might be even not one but two backward players and we're if we're talking about some big players, it's so hard to, to predict anything. Partly because they already they made their move, but we cannot rule out them from making any other signings. And FS they're also looking for a power forward. They're still exploring players who are chasing NBA opportunities. Uh, and I hope that means that it means also that they're patient with Erdem Jan, because if not, you know they should sign somebody else to to help them straight away. So I thought about it, and I I still think that FS. Uh, organically, they have more upside to change things. Not sure about Pau and Milan. Milan is just—it's—it's it's getting mm. something, you know, not in what is not in our hands. Uh, and Patnaikos, I'm not sure how this Ataman's approach on calling players out after losing games will work in a situation. Where players are not used to it. It's not like Vasiliy Misic, Shane Larkin, and everybody else were used to him complaining and you know putting their names out in the press conferences. We're talking about a new team, new players. Juancho Hernangomez coming from the NBA environment, different approach. So not sure how it's going uh, going to play out
1: uh, for him. I right. and I agree with you. I also have FS from the from these three teams as the one I still believe in the most. I would put Panathinaikos at number two. Uh, it's a new team. They yeah. had injuries. Kostas uh, Lucas, he's not injured, he's having some gastro problems, something like that. Like mm-hmm. and, He's an in and out uh, all the time. Uh, so you're without point guards. You signed Kendrick Nunn, he will need time. I don't expect him to straight away become the, the star of the show. Uh, so some players are playing out of position. Some players are probably even uncertain about their future but not in Panathinaikos. The team yeah. is built from scratch. Eleven new players, new coach, new culture, new system. Everything is new, and Ill- injuries also are not helping. They lost two games in overtime. That was Olympiacos and Maccabi. So I have them at number two. And why I have Milan at number three is they are still a painful team to watch even though there are some great players. Uh, they're getting points from Shavon Shields, they're getting points from Nikola Mirotic, but they're losing games. But even last season or this season before, they were also sometimes a painful team to watch because all of their point guards were injured, they couldn't create, but at least they could rely on their defense. Mm. And this season, I'm not even seeing that elite defense anymore. Some players are getting older. Some players are maybe not adjusting to... What coach Messina wants from them, um, again, this Kevin Pango situation, they will have to sort it, they, they need a guard. Mau de law his step back jump shot isn't working. Uh, it was working for him when he played in Germany, but now it's different. Uh, in, so in,
2: in Milano, nobody can make a, a jump it's, shot, it's, except it's if you Milan are Mirotic on really. Siobhan or Shields. Or Siobhan Shields
1: with his- you remember last year? Fade away, yeah.
2: Exactly. Do you yeah. remember that Virtus uh, Milano game that you highly, Oof, that you and I highly enjoyed?
1: And, and <laughs> there are plenty of other examples. Devon Hall had a terrible shooting year. Um, mm. Mitru Longo. Everybody. So they're a painful <clears throat> team to watch. We had top three teams on mm. EuroLeague Pass. If we could have three teams, we want to avoid on the League Pass. Unfortunately, Milan is one of those teams for me. And I don't know. I mean Messina has all the power. He's signing players, he's coaching the team. How long is it gonna last until somebody says, Maybe we need to change the head coach? Maybe we need something different. Because it cannot be only about the players. I mean, if it hasn't been working for, for a whole year, I'm gonna we'll talk about the last season, and now it's a new season. New signings. Okay, most of the players are veterans, but they are good veterans. And it's
0: still the same thing. Maybe they need their own Roger Grimau. In Italy. I
1: don't know. I'm I'm just brainstorming ideas. Yeah, they not there's saying this thing that, I'm not I'm yeah. not gonna say here fire Messina. I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. But, so, but it hasn't fired. been working uh, for a
0: long time. And th- this is the thing with the demanding coaches. We have the same thing with Shorunas Isikavichus. And we have this example of Nigel Hayes-Davis. As soon as he leaves the team, which is coached by Shorunas Isikavichus, he suddenly starts making shots. And maybe, maybe this you know, atmosphere, this, this work environment is, is just getting too, too hard, too tough mm. for some players. There's not no for, fun watching
1: everyone. them and, and it seems like they don't have fun playing at the moment.
2: When did Milano seem to you like they have fun playing? If Kevin Bunter, Kevin Bunter exactly. and Malcolm Delaney when they yeah. had and yeah. Zach Lide That was the last yeah, and Chacho. season. And Chechov was Chacho on the team of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: So that was a fun when, team when to watch. When Chacho
2: left uh, last yeah. season
1: all fun left all fun the left. building.
2: Even with Sabaz I don't know, when they had last year, they were, were they mm-hmm. were winning games but they weren't it wasn't the same. And it was this was the hardest segment for me to be honest because t- uh, l- about these three losing teams it, to have hope, I have so many questions about power. I have so many questions about FS, as I told you. Like, can they actually be good with with the way they are structured right now with the team? Can they improve their defense? Can they do those players that have won titles, EuroLeague titles, have the same fire? Can they reach that level when they're hungry again to to win and to win titles? You know, because after you win some, it's it, it's not. You you can't replicate. I, I don't think you can't replicate that hunger, that desire to win, when you don't have titles. And Milan, you just mentioned ten minutes of reasons why we should not be <laughs> high on them. But yeah, I think with Billy Baron coming back, if they sign, because I'm pretty sure they're looking for a point guard. You know, Messina made a technical decision to not include Kevin Pangos to the roster when they don't have that many guards even to play the game. So I think they're adding a really solid point guard here. And that is why I think still it's Milano. Like imagine Shields, Mirotic, and then you add a solid point guard. This is still a if if that doesn't help Messina win, then then really I agree with Ridis. You know, it hasn't been working for for quite a long time and maybe you know it's not the players. Uh, that are that are not doing enough what what Messina asks. So I still I'm still picking Milano, but it's really hard to see a lot of optimism about these three teams at the moment, at least.
0: Let's end this podcast on a more positive note. We have two last things to cover. So, who was the rookie that impressed you the most? Who was the rookie that you enjoyed playing so far the most?
1: We want to start.
2: I think Jabari okay yeah I mean it's I don't know Sterling Brown it's a good or pick. Jabari and I expected much more from Sterling Brown. I expected from Sterling Brown what I'm seeing right now and I had really uh, we had low, low hopes for Jabari you know we didn't know his mm-hmm. knee situation we didn't know how he's going to adjust. He seems to be doing doing just fine. I think he looks physically in shape. I'm really happy about it because mm. He, when he is running coast to coast, I, I can see why you know he was scoring 20 points in the NBA. Like you can see the difference from the European players in mm-hmm. the EuroLeague. I love to see that when he gets the chance, he he has been knocking down those spot-up three-pointers in Barcelona system, occasional ISO and a, and a you know and a mid-range. You're not asking him to replicate what Mirotic did and score 20 points mm-hmm. every game. They have a completely different role and I think he's fitting in just fine. So, and Barcelona have been Mm. winning. I was like, Jabari Jabari had a quite successful, let's say first month.
1: The best thing is that, that he's smart Mm. and he's not here just to prove a point, just to get some stats or anything like that. He does what the team needs. Uh, If he needs to sit on a bench because somebody else is performing better that night mm-hmm. uh, he's fine with it
2: and that's rare actually yeah with with you know nba players that that came over to
1: europe star and uh, not just nba not players star not, not not borderline players, nba high draft players picks.
2: Yeah, he was averaging 20 points like before you know, injuries from the rock so yeah i I, great, I, agree,
1: I agree i agree with that him. i mean we're getting closer to the point where i will have to apologize about my jabari parker takes Me too. Before the season. (laughs) Uh, Although I'm going to say Damian Inglis. Mm, Yeah, that's a good pick. Good pick. Just, I mean, he again adds physicality that Valencia wanted and versatility as well. Uh, He has a good jump shot. He loves taking those mid-range shots. At the same time, he can play in the post, has a strong body. And I actually uh, had an eye on him even before when I when I saw him in Lithuania, Lithuania played France in a World Cup qualifier. Mm. We know that in these qualifying windows there are no Euroleague players. And mm, yeah. we didn't really have strong bodies at the power four position. So that English guy was just killing Lithuania and Banyama played in that game. But actually uh, uh, two players that are now Euroleague rookies attracted my attention even more than Vembaniama that night. It was English. And Sylvain Francisco? And Sylvain Francisco uh, by Munich Point So I'm going to say English. Of course, it helps that his team is winning. It's always easier to pick a player from a winning team.
0: I'm taking the guy who was at first, we we all thought, is he just here to, to do some highlights, dribbling the, the ball like as he was a football player? what he was about to do here. <laughs> he was going through this crazy Dushko transition period. And now suddenly he checks in for the Derby game, uh, the six minute of the game. He changed the momentum of the game he, with his energy, uh, with his mindsets. And Zvezda was on a path to, to win that game actually in, in, in Belgrade, in Star Arena. And then there's his second game, playing under Sviaropoulos in the Euroleague, and he hits dagger three against uh, Bayern Munich. So, so far, that's been a very impressive story to follow with Iago De Santos. And five favorites, your favorite all-October lineup that you have. Mm. It might be the greatest performances, it might be players like Iago De Santos, for instance, or there might be some picks for any reasons so you can just think a of.
1: Sorry, lineup with positions. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, yeah.
2: So while Rita's think I can I can go, I think, first. Okay. Do it. Point guard, keen announce. Because of so back- glad he, he's playing at this level. He's completely uh rehabbed, you know. Just so so glad he's on the court and he's doing the things that he was doing last season. At shooting guard, La Provitola. we already mentioned the reasons in this podcast. The guy's shooting eighty nine percent from two pointers. He's a guard, eighty-nine yep. percent from two-point range, and forty-eighth, I think, from the three-point range. So I, I, I'm hoping to see him back on the court pretty soon. Uh, small forwards, even though he's not typical small forward, I would say. Kordine.
1: Uh, so oh, yes. you're basically been, playing free guards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, well, like last year's playing, Monaco uh, teams free. do that. Some it's normal. Teams that go to final in, fours. In, you know? in, in 2023, it's normal. In 2003, no. <laughs> that would be
2: weird, man. <laughs> so uh, loved how he's been playing. Yeah. You know, last year he didn't have such a high, <clears throat> big role. Uh, amazing. Power forward. I was thinking about going uh, Shengelia, but since he's number one in my MVP rankings, I'm not going to repeat myself. Uh, I thought about you know Chima Monica. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm taking Alec Peters. Oh, I love okay. to see him in a bigger role. And so far he's been delivering. And uh, I think he's really in confidence uh, to start the season and, and and he's been pretty good shooting the ball. Uh, looking forward to seeing more. And at the center, I'm going boy.
0: Oh yeah, I have Bolomboy as well. I didn't at expect center. anybody to choose him, to be honest. Really? Yeah.
2: I mean, it was like Lazore, Milutino, ah, boring. Uh, I love
0: Bolomboy this year.
2: Yeah, he's, uh, I don't know, just doing so much for Cervantes Vezda. His energy, uh, defensively, offensively, scoring even some random shots against Partizan from the mid range, from the corner, uh, dunking over people getting those offensive rebounds defensive
0: stops as well against barn yeah. he was doing really good playing good iso defense
2: so just 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 playing really solid minutes like i think he mm-hmm. averaged like 19 20 minutes good stats good impact so and I one like, of
0: the most improved players uh, so far this year sure. compared to the last season he made mm-hmm. one of the biggest jumps in the in this category
2: so that's my top five let's say Okay, have, guys. Uh,
0: so, did you include Monica or, or not? No, no, no.
2: Alec Peters. Uh, no okay, Monica. because I
0: have Monica. No Monica. Not just because of his game and his stats. I mean,
2: Shout out to Monica.
0: <laughs> he's crazy. I'm just doing it just to get some, you know, he's going to tag us on, on sure. Twitter and we will get more views because of that. So, just for exposure reasons. No, Monica is, is great. I mean, he's fourth best player in the Euroleague by efficiency uh, and also. 4 in points that's crazy 17 like seven, points per game 17.3 6. right 6.6 rebounds uh 0.8 blocks 1.6 steals 21.6 par it's it's crazy we're talking about the guy who couldn't find a role in Monaco last year because it was just a bad fit and he was actually i heard that there were some BCL you know teams considering him and he really wanted to he didn't care that much about the level. Let's see, is it whether it's a your league or in, in the NBA, he was about getting right opportunity to finally get playing time, solid role, and to feel himself. And you couldn't ask for a better situation in Basconia. Now it just starts with team potentially winning more games mm. to make him more happy. But he's creating highlights, those those funny moments of James Nunnally, Zach Lede, and, you know, he's a highlight reel. He's enjoying the crowd and he's giving extra energy to to to, UR, to the Euroleague and Basconia fans. So I have him. Ball boy. And I will actually play three bigs in my lineup because I really like, one of the reasons why I also believe in Pan uh, improvement is Dinos Mitoglou and what he brings to the game. He had a really bad game against Barca, but the previous two, uh, first of all, the derby game against Olympiakos in the Greek league, then there was a game against Maccabi. I think that they were supposed to win. He was he was really huge with his all around game, uh, with his effort. He, he's a difference maker and it's a great. Uh, pro- I mean, he's a, he was in a bad situation. He missed. One year and a half and now to see him performing at that level it's going to be really interesting to see what he's going to show mm-hmm. in the future and then nicolates i just love how he got himself back into the rotation uh, how he fits this uh, the, this team and the way he, he 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 play makes for this team is, is something you know beautiful mm-hmm. to watch uh and uh, also marius grigonis uh, I don't feel good about him including two Palnaikos players because we're talking about the losing team. But I just love Maris Grigoni's story. He was about—he was asked to find a new team at some point of the off-season. Then Palnaikos suddenly changed their mind. And I think that now he's fourth Palnaikos player in minutes. He's mm-hmm. getting a solid role. And finally, we saw him playing all-around game. You know, he's not the most crafty player offensively, but now at least he's trying defensively. And I remember when he made his name... He was known in. Uh, he made his name in Zaragoza not just because of his offensive plays. Yeah, that year with Schiller, he was just killing, cooking, gay winners, and etc. But under Sharas, he was playing some defense as well. He has body, and he has you know he can play defense. And now I, I just don't remember when he was trying that much as he's trying right right now. And of course it's because mm. of his situation, because his future in the club was unclear, and the effort he's giving it makes him a better player. And I'm just happy to see him back.
1: Okay, so is your I, I wanted to say Nick, but since you said Nick, I'm gonna go for somebody else. So my two guards my my <laughs> James. <Mike> James <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm, spa- so I'm not gonna spend time explaining why. My other guard is Alexa Abramovich. Ah, Of
0: course. Of Alexa
1: course. Ha- had to be mentioned. Um just because of <laughs> his performance in the Derby, not only that, in other games he was also spectacular. I know Partizan is not in a great situation so far. They're still uh trying to find a rhythm, but Alex Avramovich performs, he plays his heart out every every single night, and so he's gonna be in my lineup of of the most exciting players after the first month. Okay, then I have two forwards, and I'm picking Gabi Deck. When you get to the gym and you see that early 2000s haircut, (laughs) you know you're in for a long night. There's gonna be elbows, there's gonna be a lot of physical contact, the spin move that the other teams just cannot handle. Basically, guys are just getting out of the way. He's gonna drag you in in the post, he's gonna dominate you, then he's gonna hit some freeze with his, he's barely even jumping, but he's making those freeze (laughs) with his unorthodox uh, shooting technique. Uh, no, it. I is. mean, uh, if I was a player, if I was a forward in the Euroleague, I would probably take an injury or something just not to play against Gabi Deck. I would say, Coach, I'm not feeling really well. You would ask Kebuzela before the game. I've, I mean, can I can I just skip this one? I don't want to be there. I don't want to suffer so <laughs> much. So, and the other forward is is Tocco. Again, we talked about him. Mm. I'm not of gonna course. repeat myself. And at center, I would I would take uh, Jan Vesely. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's doing the short roll he's passing the ball when he needs to pass he's reading the defense when he gets the opportunity to take the mid-range shot he takes it he makes it he's making his free throws uh defensively you ask him to switch he can switch he can be very good on switch you ask him to to step out he's gonna do that and he's gonna get back to the paint I- immediately uh i think people had huge expectations, let's say, for Willi and Gomez to be the star player. Now they don't have Miritic, so Vili might be the face of the team, the Eurobasket MVP. And people just kind of for- forgot that they still have Jan Vesely, mm. Mm. and he's still really good. Um, so, and and you could say that so far, probably Vesely was more consistent than Willy. Willi had some good games, but some games he wasn't that, that great, and, and Jan Vesely is just consistency every single night, so... He's finishing my lineup. Nice.
0: Okay, guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for joining us. The next part we'll do will be uh, for BN Plus members. We're going to have Q&A session later this week. So, uh, join our BN Plus community on basketnews.com slash Plus, and thank you all for those who are already our subscribers, starting from wall of fame uh, GMs, Jason, give me stats.com, basketball stats, and all stars or starters with Christos Pukitis, Gabriel Serva, Yanut Gergescu, Nicozinho, T Volt, T21, Ivaras Hoofman, Victory, Nick BG, Stefan Stamenic, and Koki, and all the others that are supporting us. See you soon.